When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. This is Dan Lobby. I'm Mary Kay Cabot, and this is Scott Batsko. And we're going to keep doing our uh, our six points or whatever it is we were calling it. We're going to come up with six topics here. We haven't pre-discussed them. We're just going to throw them out and talk about them as we get ready for the Great Lakes Classic. Topic number one, Mary Kay. I'm going to go with OBJ returns to team drills today. Just in the nick of time, Titans rolling into town in two weeks. Uh, so especially after that dud of an offensive performance in Tampa. OBJ gets back out there. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked fast, shifty, agile. He didn't look to me like he's suffering from any kind of a hip injury whatsoever. Uh, Now the only thing really is for Baker and OBJ to get on the same page, to get their timing down, and for him to really get to know this offense. Yeah, and watching that game the other night, it it was just really clear. Like The offense struggled. Baker struggled a little bit, but also... It's one of those moments where you're watching and realizing, like, he's throwing to Jalen Strong and, you know, Ishmael Hyman and, and whoever else. Like, these weren't the stars. This offense is going to look different when it's Beckham and Jarvis and Rashard Higgins in the right role, uh, Nick Chubb playing, David Njoku. It's, it's just going to look very different, and, and that really stood out uh, the other night when we didn't see any of those guys on the field. Yeah, I think Baker's uh, completion percentage was like 38%, mm-hmm. but adjusted completion percentage when you take out drops and passes, you know, that should have been caught was was about 50. I mean, it's not great, but, you know, still a lot better than it was. You're right about uh, OBJ looking ready to go. There was one play today where he kind of came back for the ball near the sideline, caught it, and just spun towards the sideline. And I don't know how, I mean, the cornerback, I don't know who it was over there, but they didn't really make that big of a play, but I don't know if they could have gotten a hand on, on Odell if they had tried because he just moved so quick, and, yeah, the hip seems, seems fine. And, and he, along with Jarvis and, uh, and Higgins, were working with Baker kind of separately today, getting in work by themselves while everybody else was doing special teams play. Um, so it seems they're very conscious of the fact that that group needs to be on the same page. Yeah, and they have been doing a little bit, bit of that when, you know, when we've been at preseason games. They'll get out there and do that and start throwing around uh, – two hours, two and a half hours for the game. So they have been getting some work in, but I still think they have some catching up to do. But when I watched that game the other night, uh, there were so many passes that were either broken up or, you know, they just weren't winning the contested balls, you know? And you just had to think, my goodness, if that was OBJ or Jarvis out there, that would have been a catch, that would have been a touchdown. 
Okay, topic number two. Let's stick with that game the other night then. Let's talk about this defensive line. That's really been uh, the topic du jour since that game, for as, as tough as it was for the offense. The defensive line, we saw the front four for a series. Miles Garrett didn't play after that first series, but uh, they certainly lived up to the hype. And a lot of it started, you know, with Miles. He got a lot of push on that first, um, on the Olivier Vernon sack. Uh, forced Jameis Winston to step up, and, and Winston took the sack. Then he was double teamed on a little stunt, and it freed up Sheldon Richardson and then Chris Smith. Now, Chris Smith didn't get his sack. I asked him about that after the game, and he said, that's all right, as long as it went to the room. Uh, Sheldon Richardson ended up getting the sack. But um, it was just good to see. It, it's good in the preseason to see things live up to the hype sometimes, and the defensive line lived up to the hype. Well, Freddie Kitchens has been saying that the defensive line is going to be the strength of this football team. And every time he has said that, it's, it's kind of given me pause because I have, uh, you know, I look out there and I see Baker Mayfield and I see Odell Beckham Jr. and I see Jarvis Landry, and it just makes me wonder, you know, why would you say that about the defensive line when you've got some real stars on this offense? But when I watched that game the other night, I thought, wow, I know where he's coming from now. Not only is the, you know, is the front four dominant, and, and they were dominant in that game, but they're deep. I mean, you can rotate guys in after that, and you're still getting pressure. You're still getting sacks. There's some really, really good guys on the second and third teams. But my goodness, and Miles Garrett only played one series in that game. One series, and you saw what happened in that one series. They, were, they went backwards on three straight plays. So I, I think that, uh, that teams are really going to be in for it with this group. Okay. okay, go ahead. So I was just going to say, Jameis Winston looked looked scared. I mean, yeah. there was one, he got rid of the ball, and, and Chris Smith and somebody else came and sandwiched him yeah. after that play, and he went down, and he just like, what is going on? And yep. he was just kind of running for his life. But Freddie did say that he wants that kind of performance out of that group every time they go out there. That's right. Like, right. That's the bar. That's what they should be trying to achieve. And, you know, you're right. We, we saw it. Yeah. All right, I'm going to call an audible here. We're going to hit the pause button on the recorder because it seems like it's starting to rain, so we're going to find a different spot to record this. So things are going to sound a little bit different here uh, in a second. And we found a safe, dry spot. It didn't sound like anything was lost to you guys. It took us about, you know, you missed about two minutes. All right, here we are. Uh, topic three, Scott. Offensive line. Let's talk about the offensive line. You know, everybody uh, looked at that as the potential big question mark coming into training camp, and we're going to go into the regular season and it's still going to be the same thing. We know who the right guard's going to be in Eric Cush, but after Friday, we're left wondering if this unit is going to be able to keep Baker Mayfield upright. Um, everybody pretty much had, had plays that they wanted to take back. That's what we heard from J.C. Treader today. Everybody allowed at least one pressure uh, in that game. And Baker Mayfield, I think he was pressured on seven of his dropbacks. He was three for six on those plays, and that included uh, the interception that he threw. Um, you know, Freddie pointed the finger at a lot of different things, um, but he included the offensive line, and, and J.C. Treader um, totally agreed with that today and said they've corrected things by watching the film, but now we won't, we won't be able to see if that's true or not for, you know, another two weeks. Um, it was... Interesting, the offensive line played the entire third quarter, that starting unit. And even J.C. Treader, of all people, he ended up with a bad snap uh, in that game. He bounced one back to, uh, I believe, David Blau was in the game by then. Um, the real concern is, obviously, Eric Cush wasn't great the other night. We kind of knew right guard was going to be a little bit of a concern. We've known that for a while. It's a little scary, though, when the tackles struggle. And, you know, we saw Chris Hubbard get beat pretty badly by Carl Nassib on the last play of the, of the first half. 
you know, Greg Robinson, it, it feels like teams know how to attack him. They're, they've figured out how to attack him. We'll see if that kind of continues moving forward. It, it's concerning when those tackles are struggling because we knew right guard would be an issue, and maybe you can cover that up with a good center and a good left guard. But now, if you're going to have trouble on the outside, uh, Baker Mayfield could find himself running for his life a little bit. Well, your right tackle also looks better when your right guard is Kevin Zeitler. That's true. Kevin Zeitler was basically, I think, played at a Pro Bowl level last year. So that strengthens the whole right, right side of that line. Now, if you've got two guys that occasionally might have some deficiencies here and there, uh, it weakens that side. So they're going to have to really look at that, shore it up, and who knows, is, is John Dorsey going to have to look outside of this team for another right guard? I think you have to keep your eyes peeled. You really have to keep your eyes peeled because you cannot have that side collapsing. You just can't. You can't collapse the pocket from that side. Uh, Baker's great at shifting and, and sneaking away from trouble. We've, we saw him do it a couple times in that game. But you can't expect him to do that all the time. The protection needs to be good. And... Uh, and right now they know that they have work to do. And again, the other thing is, remember, remember every time we ask Freddie about this, it's like, no, you know, we're not in any hurry, we're not in any hurry you know, to make sure we have the starting five. I do think you have to get that starting five together as soon as possible yeah. to get the communication down, to get the, the timing down. And they haven't worked together that long. Mm -hmm. So you know, I think that you're seeing some of the ill effects of that. How long do you think it will be before we see Kendall Lamb at one of those outside spots? <laughs> It could be, or, or he's even... Had, he's had a good preseason. Yeah. I know he hasn't played with the starters, but, yeah. you know, right. he's played well. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I mentioned the tackles, too, but pressure up the middle is where teams like to attack as well. Mm -hmm. and if, they, if they find that weakness, that's the thing about the regular season. You know, all this stuff that happens in the preseason happens, but in the regular season, these coaches are working 100-hour weeks to find that one little weakness. And right. They're going to find it and attack it until you fix it. Uh, we are up to Mary Kay, topic four. All right, let's come back to the kicking game. Here we are, back to the kicking <laughs> game. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity, I think, to talk to some of the kickers tomorrow. But it almost seems to me like uh, like Austin Seibert has the momentum and that they are leaning towards him being their kicker this year. And I'm still a little bit leery about that because I've seen him miss enough kicks in practice that it does make me a little bit nervous. I mean, he, he went out there and he nailed it, and you have to give him credit for that. He went four for four, and the long was 54 yards. But, I've, you know, I saw in one practice last week where he missed a 37-yarder in practice and a 40-yarder in practice, and there was no weather, no wind, no ice or rain, no pressure, and, you know, I'm still, you know, a little bit unsure about this whole thing. Yeah, you know, Cyber, I've said before, it would have had to have been a disaster for him to not make the team, and it almost was. Had Greg Joseph really kind of seized control of this job and the opportunity was there, we might not even be talking about Austin Cyber right now. Um, he had a good night in Tampa, made all four of his kicks. You now, you mentioned that 37-yarder. you got to make those. I mean, I mean, I bet the expectation for these guys is, I, I mean, I don't know what percentage to put on it, but that's, that's almost a gimme anymore in the NFL. Anything under 40 yards, you've got to make. And uh, it's concerning when even those easy ones, quote-unquote easy ones, uh, he's not making. But at least he, he had a good night. Greg Joseph is going to get a chance to answer. But I do think Austin Seibert kind of took control of that job, a, a job that neither guy has been able to take control of, took what little control you can at this point on, uh, on Friday night. Yeah, I'm not sure what Greg Joseph can do in order to swing things back in his favor because 
it's, it's asking a lot to think that he's going to get four opportunities, and it's asking a lot that he's going to get a 50-plus yarder right? Uh, uh, you know, this week. So, I, I don't know. I think you're right. You attach that draft pick to, to Austin Seibert, and, you know, if you consider that they were neck and neck, <laughs> we're mm-hmm. struggling at the same <laughs> level coming into this both, game. Both drowning at the yeah. same level. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Cybert finally gets it together with uh, with probably, you know the best game you could you could ask for from a kicker. Then yeah, I'm not sure how Joseph does that. Even if he goes out and hits all four, hits four field goals, Austin Cybert I think still has the edge because you drafted him in the fifth round. And do we talk about a punter here, or do we wait and maybe make that another one? Uh, we can wait. All right. Britton Colquitt's going to be your punter. Right? He is. <laughs> okay. I think so. All right, topic... Jimmy Gillen's fun, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Topic five, we're going to go a little broader here. I don't want to talk about opportunity. Um, I don't know how good this Browns team is ultimately going to be, but everything kind of just keeps aligning for this team. Not always in a great way, but, you know, it starts with Andrew Luck retiring. All right, so now the Colts, who were maybe a Super Bowl contender, are have a really good roster still. But we don't know what Jacoby Brissett's going to be. The last time he played quarterback for them, they weren't very good. Their roster was not very good, though. Brissett might be fine. But it changes their outlook. The other night, here's that big debate. Do you play your guys in the preseason or not? Lamar Miller tears his ACL. So now Houston is without, is without their top back. And he is uh, an elite back. You know, Now it might be Duke Johnson carrying the ball 20 times a game for them. Mm-hmm. Um, there are little opportunities starting to pop up here. If the Browns are able to figure this out and stay healthy and... You know, again, you hate when it happens because of injury. You hate when it happens because a guy retires when he's 29 years old because he can't deal with rehab. But on the field, some things are, are kind of going the Browns' way, things that are out of their control. It, it's just sort of interesting how this is all shaking out right now. Yeah, that, I mean, that was a big one. That was huge. I mean, we were just in Indy. We spent a lot of time. Uh, we've heard everybody talk about how they were going to be a potential Super Bowl contender this year. So, it really almost does clear out one of the teams or obstacles in your way to get to where you want to go this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was enormous. And once again, like you said, Lamar Miller, I mean, huge, devastating news for the Texans. However, I do think that uh, they will be able to, you know, fortunately for them, they do have Duke Johnson because yeah. he's been underutilized all of these years, and it's a chance for him. He's hungry. He wants to step up and show people that he can be that guy, not just in the passing game, mm-hmm. but as a running back. So um, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there there are some opportunities here. I mean, it's, it's down the line. Obviously nobody here in Berea is thinking that far ahead, but, but you're right. I think it was Sports Illustrated who picked the Colts to, to make it to the AFC Championship game this year. We haven't done our predictions yet, but <laughs> I assume that before that happened, we probably had the Colts going pretty far too. Um, yeah, it, it is weird that, that things are kind of – falling into place in, in a way and even though the Browns came out of that game against the Buccaneers with a lot of questions there is the other side of it that they're going into the season with a lot of suspense a lot of people don't know what to expect from the Browns because they haven't seen them all out there together especially on offense they know the defense is scary so you have this unknown coming in with the Browns and then you have these other teams that you know are going to have to kind of fix things on the fly so yeah it could set up well for them and you know look the reality i mean they still have to deal with their division you know baltimore could be good it depends on lamar jackson i I think pittsburgh has a chance to be really good and the browns haven't beaten them since 2014 so it's one of those things where you have to balance 
hey, you know, there's some things going the Browns' way, but also at the same time, how about you go out and beat the Steelers before we start yeah. talking about what you might do in January? Um, but, you know, it, it's what we talk about this time of year. Well, plus, you know, there are, there are always those teams that come on and surprise you. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't even thought about those teams or talked about those teams yet. But there could be an AFC team that comes out of nowhere this year. Jacksonville could be the team that yeah, takes advantage of might be really good. Right. And, and Texans and might still be really good. They right, the Texans can still be really good. I mean, the Ravens, you know, who knows? that They're a little bit of an X factor because nobody really knows what Lamar Jackson's going to be in this league. But I think they feel good about themselves. So... Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And you've got the AFC East where, yeah, you have to play New England twice, but what if the Jets make a little bit of a leap? Miami's not trying to win, so you get two kind of gimmies against them. Obviously yeah. the Browns get them once too. So, you know, there's some teams, maybe even a Buffalo, a Jet, somebody like that, somebody in the AFC East maybe could, could take a leap mm-hmm. alongside the Patriots. That'll be interesting to watch. All right, last, op- last uh, topic, Scott. All right, speaking of opportunity, let's talk about Kareem Hunt. He... Uh, He's probably done for the preseason. I don't think he's going to play in the last game. I don't know the point of, of having him out there. I think mm-hmm. they want to get a look at Dernis Johnson and some of the other guys. Um, but he was out there for the first half against the Buccaneers, had five carries for 11 yards, caught a pass for three yards. He didn't do much of anything in the first uh, or in the first half of the previous game against the Colts. They tried to get a screen pass to him on the opening play, I think, and it just kind of got blown up. But that's pretty much all we've seen from Kareem Hunt game-wise this preseason. He hasn't done a ton in practices because he missed so much time. What do we what do we think of Kareem Hunt now going off on his own for, for eight weeks, basically? And, you know, everybody kind of assumed that this is going to be the, the big, you know, like free agent pickup, you know, going into the home stretch of the season. And, you know, he's going to be coming back after eight weeks now playing. He hasn't looked – he's just looked underwhelming pretty much throughout camp and, uh, and, and in the preseason games. What are we, what are we expecting from Cream Hunt? Well, I'll tell you. I think that the groin injury really set him back this whole time, and I think what we've seen of him so far is him just kind of getting his feet wet again. And I think that he'll have a lot of time to heal up, and as long as he can stay clean off the field and stay out of trouble off the field, mm-hmm. I think this will be an opportunity for him to have fresh legs and to heal up the groin injury. And I think he has. He's such a natural football player that when he gets thrown back out there and he's healthy, I think he will be the Kareem Hunt that led the NFL in rushing as a rookie. I think he'll be great catching passes out of the backfield, and I think that he will, uh, again, have fresh legs and, and just be starting his season in Week 10 ready to go. Yeah, I wish we could have seen him dominate like a game or two, but at the same time, he's one of those guys you kind of know what he is. Um, we saw some glimpses, at least, of how the Browns want to use him. They split him out wide a couple times against Tampa. But I think they might have put him in the slot once or twice, too. Um, so we, we saw little glimpses of that. Uh, I think he'll be fine. Those early camp injuries can be killer for some guys, especially young guys. Now, obviously, he's been in the league a few years. But you know, those early camp injuries can just ruin an entire camp in preseason because you're trying to get back, and he was out for a long time. So, um, you know, I'm not worried about Kareem Hunt because there's a track record there. But... At the same time, Scott, I'm with you. I wish we could have seen him dominate either Friday night or uh, against Indianapolis or something like that. But I, I think he'll be okay. Even just a couple of those plays that make you say, wow. you mm-hmm. know, he, There was one where he tried to hurdle over somebody, and it, was, yeah. it looked like he was going to make it, and he got his ankle clipped and he went down. <laughs> yeah. But Stump Mitchell, I think, brought up something uh, interesting. Well, he had a good point. It was maybe last week 
Uh, he said when when Kareem comes back, it's not they don't need him to step in and and, and have two hundred all purpose yards in right. a game or something. You know, because he expects you know the other running backs to be successful, and it's going to be a situation where they can kind of work him back in. So it'll be great to get Kareem Hunt back, but they don't. You know, it's not like they're waiting to take off. You know, when he returns. So. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We've got the fourth preseason game where head coaching careers are made, apparently. <laughs> we have that coming up Thursday against the Lions. The barge on the line at First Energy Stadium. And then, of course, the big day is Saturday when they reduce the roster to 53. Sunday's not going to be as crazy as it has been in the past, but there'll be some waiver claims that day, too, for the Browns. So, uh, of course, we'll have it all covered for you. For Scott and Mary Kay and Dan, thanks for listening.